Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Thank you, Matthew Arder. Welcome back to another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. This week, we're joined by Sarah French. Sarah has been on the show before. It was so much fun, and this time her return engagement did not disappoint. She is an actress, a singer, a dancer, improviser, fun, funny lady, and I cannot wait for you to hear this. So let's just get to it, why don't we? This week, Sarah French joined me and Matthew in watching Season 7, Episode 17, called The Reunion, which had an original air date of February 1st, 1986. I think we're ready to jump on in. Let's face the facts with Sarah French. Hi, Sarah French. Welcome back. y'all. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Sarah and Matthew just met before I pressed record. Two people so near and dear to my heart. I am so thrilled that you two are now officially acquainted and now BFFs. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's true. We already have vacation plans. We've really hit it off. Oh, my God. You totally didn't invite me. (laughs) No, no, no. It's just me and Matthew. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) We decided we needed time away from you. Right. Yeah, exactly. We've only been with you as a couple for about 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that decision has already been made. That ship has sailed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if I had a nickel, (laughs) you only knew. Oh, well, we are here. We have got a magnificent episode to discuss. And uh, Sarah, you haven't been on this show. We're getting dangerously close to two years since you were last on the show. That actually, that that does make a lot of sense because I have a lot of questions from the episode that I saw two years ago. to the episode I watched now. Oh, good. You had to fill in some blanks for me. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. You were last here November of 2019. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That does make sense because at that time we were talking about you were just about to get married in February. That's right. mm-hmm. So that all is making sense. The timeline does check out. Our, our though, facts of life girls were still in school. It was, yeah. it was it, quite a time. Yeah. It, it was the episode, it was the season three finale, Read No yes, Evil, about right. the book bannings. And honest to God, looking back, I was like, I think that's one of my top episodes of the series. It was such a good episode. It was. Yeah. To, keeping aside that you thought that Mr. Parker and Mrs. Garrett were fucking. That I was disturbing. Still, I actually do still, I stand by it. I feel like their chemistry was palpable. And uh, I feel like it was a missed opportunity. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I, people have asked me, what are your quote unquote, you know, favorite episodes and all that? Of course, I've got uh, Take My Finals, Please, the one where they're studying for their finals, the bottle episode in the bedroom, Uh, stellar, excellent episode. But uh, beyond that, like the second and the third favorites, I, I really haven't given that as much thought as you'd think, but I have to say, I think that, um, yeah, the Read No Evil, because it was a message show. It, I, di- I really, I mean, who knows, right? Like, I don't, I 
I feel like I should disclose I'm not like I have not watched all seven seasons plus of Facts of Life. <gasps> I know. I know. What an asshole. What am I even doing here? But I feel like like they were doing some good act. I feel like I feel like at the table read, they all were like bought into that episode. And I don't know. It just felt like they were really doing their best work, some of their best work. Yes. No, they were. And the point with Mrs. Garrett and Mr. Parker reconnected towards the end they said we didn't do what we should have done we didn't do the right thing because we were afraid we were afraid if we took a stand we'd be standing alone Mm. and i that's again i remember that verbatim because i think that was really one of the most powerful messages the show put out it's i i wonder if watching that show in 2019 unleashed some things for the next two years like are we responsible for oh, no. that messaging, Matthew shaking his head. Yes, I think that was our fault. So we we owe a lot of people an apology. <laughs> well, I blame you for a lot of my sure. problems, right. David. So, oh, well. um, <clears throat> I just figured we'd throw that on the pile. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a good plan. Yeah. Well, thank God those people who took a stand about you know not believing in vaccines mm. and not believing in masks and not believing in science and facts and truth. Yeah. Yeah. They showed I, us. Yeah. yeah. We <laughs> talk about our words come back to haunt. Us. <laughs> so 25 year old George Clooney, huh? Look at him. I know. Can't get 24. a date to save his life. <laughs> Isn't he 24? Well, it was 61 when he was born. So. so and he has a May birthday. So like the girls, if we are in 85. Oh, God, I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, uh, I brought <laughs> I brought up the ages. I should when, know better. And I don't. And I, I bring it up. Yep. And it sends David into a tailspin. I'm right. sorry. I'm obsessed with the ages of the cast and and the ages of the characters because they keep changing. But no, we can agree that George Clooney is 24 as of this taping. That is the true, true. However, we do have some issues with what is the age of George Burnett? (sighs) That is the cliffhanger I'm going to leave you with, dear listeners, as I give you the nuts and bolts of. We're going to be discussing season seven, episode 17, The Reunion which had an original air date of February 1st of 1986. By the way, there is a week that was skipped between the last episode and this one. And that was because on January 25th of 86 was the Bob Hope Super Bowl party special. Of course. Jesus, shoot me in the face. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of a more fucked up cluster of words that would make me stay away from (laughs) something more than <laughs> the Bob Hope Super Bowl special mm-hmm. party special. It's a party because when you want to uh, have a party and mm-hmm. get down with your bad self, invite your 107 year old vaudevillian comic friend. That's a party. Ugh, yeah. Who couldn't deliver a goddamn line to save his goddamn. I, he's one of those people like, how is he famous? Every time I saw him, he was busy looking at the cue card, delivering the line and like, ha, ha, waiting for a fuck off, Bob Hope. You know what? Uh, Thank you, Matthew. You're exactly right. Bob Hope can fuck right off. It was a low bar back then. He wouldn't. Do you guys think he would be famous now? No, no, no. Uh, I don't know. In some circles, I wonder. Yeah. 
Young Bob Hope had something and Bob and Bing had great chemistry in their movies, but the trouble is in our lifetime, and you know, I've been alive for nearly 30 years, Sarah, uh, mm. Bob Hope was, he was never not decrepit elderly, not just old, not, not Elaine Stritch old, not ornery. I mean, like, I, I am not sure that that thing I'm looking at has a pulse. Sure. Sure. I saw him at the 25th anniversary for Walt Disney World at um, Hollywood Studios. Oh, yeah. And it was to the point where I'm sure it was revenge from his wife making him make those public appearances because, you know, the old story, they lived across the street from a church and every time Bob Hope got caught cheating on his wife, he would donate a, a, a new stained glass window to the church. And it was like, it's now known as like the church of glass or something like that. <laughs> um, but um, I'm sure it was revenge from his wife because she was moving his hand, signing the autographs on his book. And he, like, he was unaware of where he was. He was thousands of years old but he wasn't in this episode so who gives a fuck about bob hope yeah. we've given him too much time already exactly. we are we are so this episode was written by Russell friedman interesting name r-a-c-e-l-l-e i do not Russell is very right any other episodes that y'all know of yeah she did she it's but it's in the future this is the first okay. of two I see. Uh, okay. The second one is going to be a late season eight episode. So we're talking more okay. than a year down the road by the calendar. Uh, she would go on to be a story consultant for five of the episodes next season, I think, including the one that she wrote, which was, by the way, Rites of Passage Part One. That's the one where Blair and Joe are graduating from college. Sure. And uh, previously, she worked on some episodes of Silver Spoons and uh, Little Else according to IMDb. All right. So I don't really quite know what else is happening there. <laughs> uh, the episode was directed by John Boab, the in-house director. He directed pretty much everything. Well, Sarah French, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now is the time when we like to put our guest on the spot. Great. And ask you if you would please provide a one to two sentence synopsis of the entire episode, similar to what you might find in the listing in a TV guide. And okay. now, before you start, I do need to warn you, if it does run too long, Matthew will judge and criticize you. Good. Good. Angrily. I actually think that that's right. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So if I were to describe this episode, I would say... George is going to his high school reunion. He needs a date to impress his former, I, not ex-girlfriend, former girl that he liked who never gave him the time of day. And he needs a blonde bombshell to impress everyone in his class, but particularly this girl. Very good. Thank Very you, Matthew. Lovely. Ooh, nervous. Was, Thank yeah. you. There really was no B-plot, was there? No, I, I, I have a lot of feelings about that, in fact. So I'm I'm ready to get into it. But yeah, so that was- I, I couldn't even do my usual joke about like, in this episode, Tootie wants to buy a plant. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do that. Um, I, I would say, geez, I, you know what? Maybe it might be um, on sale this week at Over Our Heads. 
pirate stuff. Yeah. I actually really, at the very beginning, I felt so bad for the black gentleman who's purchasing the hat, who they won't even let him show his face. Won't even let him show his face, not even get a line. He doesn't even get to turn around. And and that that trope of, okay, during the opening credits, we're going to have some people in the store who leave to give the impression of things are happening at the store, but then they leave and then the girls can just talk and get the plot moving. He is trying on one of the pirate hats. Uh, and who is it? Natalie? Mallory. Is, it's Ma- yeah, Natalie is, is yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Natalie is standing behind the, the cookie counter and mm-hmm. he's trying on one of the hats and he hands it to her and just walks out. Like yeah. it, like a mechanical, not a, he doesn't shake his head. No, like, no, thank you. No, or, thank you. Uh, yeah. or shrug, like, uh, let me think about it. Any kind of story or, 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 you know, wave goodbye, you know, like mm-hmm. right before we faded in, he said, could I just try on that hat for fun? I'm not going right, to purchase or... it, but it was literally, okay. Uh, when I call action, you're going to take the hat off. You're going to hand it to her and then you're going to leave. And he fucking did it. And if you dare to turn around to that camera, sir, you'll never work in this town again. <laughs> you are getting scale. Exactly. I'm not paying you a fucking <laughs> guest star salary. <laughs> so I'm so glad you noticed that because I did too. Uh, another thing I noticed during this, while the credits are rolling, Matthew, did you notice? Oh, God. New font. Jesus, <laughs> how did I miss that? <laughs> <laughs> New font. <laughs> We have been, since season seven began, we've been doing this boring ass Times Roman offshoot. I don't know what it is. It's got a serif on it. That's the big thing. They didn't have a serif font the previous six seasons, but now we've got this for the new look. But out of the blue now, the credits at the beginning and end of the episode, they're in this rounder, uh, kind of perkier 70s slash 80s Rockwell font is the sort of family that it falls into. And interestingly, the names are in bold. So it says written by in the regular font, but then in bold, it says Russell Friedman. And this is going to continue through the end of the season, uh, except for next week. Next week, it goes back to the old way for no fucking reason. And then this continues to the end of the season. And then next season, everything, including most of the opening credits are in this font, but they don't do the bold. They, they don't em- emboldenate it. Oh, so uh, just a, a, point, a point of interest. Can I ask yeah. you a question? And again, mm-hmm. forgive me if y'all have covered this before, but myself, I was surprised to see that um, Nancy McKeon got an at, you know, appearing at like as Joe at the end. When did that start? That I don't remember that from the earlier seasons. Has that always been the case? It has. It, it has not. In okay. fact, it started at season four. So you okay. literally watched the last episode where she was just one of the others. Yeah, I was really, I was like, ooh, what happened contract wise? Like they were not the cast of Friends. They did not band together. <laughs> no. Like, she... <laughs> She was about to get hers. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, she missed a couple episodes because of a contract. (gasps) Yeah. She did? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all, good for her. And yeah, the producers ended up saying, no, you're not getting the extra money. Come back. We'll pay you for the episodes that you called out from. Okay. And we'll leave it at that. But then somebody else somewhere looked and said, you know, we're kind of underpaying all of them. 
let's let's give them all a bump and make mm-hmm. it equal. And they did. So ultimately it did pay off. Mm-hmm. She she lost the battle, but she won the war. She won the war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Man, good for her. Good for them. But yeah. Damn straight. And still not a one of them made a fucking residual for all the reruns, which is just a goddamn shame. It is. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we even get into where uh, the the plot of this episode begins, and uh, we're funny, we're saying then there's no B story to, to play around with. We're still, they don't typically have B stories. The B stories are starting to creep in, but for the most part, we still stick to one show, one uh, one plot, and maybe a side thing that's just some, you know, some set decoration, a little zhuzh on the side. Mm. But okay, so Sarah, as a person not particularly familiar with the whole series, sure. you left the Eastland School for Girls, mm-hmm. where they were all in high school or younger, that's fighting right. to keep the books in. in they were the- just fighting a, a really straightforward library fight. Yeah. They were. And now you come in and there is this color explosion, Spencer's gifts, and there are grown women wearing outfits that make them look like they're 40. I loved it. I loved everything. I thought they all looked great. I love that they all, um, all of their hair was pulled back to show off their cheekbones. I thought that was really nice. flattering for everyone. I also really loved their um, candy counter display. I was very intrigued by that and wanted to work there in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's a great store. And something I have not done, and I guess I need to do more of is, I really haven't explored the store for how I obsess over all the little things. Maybe every episode I'm gonna pick up on like one singular thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was the wall of clocks. I was like- Just taken aback, sure. (laughs) <laughs> I had to take a deep breath because they were so 80s fucking tastic. And uh, so one thing I did notice in this episode, of course, there are the the Marilyn and the, is it a Charlie Chaplin or an Elvis uh, ceramic mask face? The, the, the head of the celebrity in a ceramic that you hang on the wall. It's got a real Johnny Rockets vibe in there. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And the thing I did notice this episode, other than those which you always see, is there was a Betty Boop thing on the wall. Okay. And that was about the time Betty Boop was starting to make her big That's comeback. why they couldn't get these girls a raise, because they had to pay all this licensing for all the celebrities they had on their <laughs> wall. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, Elvis and Marilyn are dead, and they're making more than we are. What is happening? <laughs> they're getting residuals. <laughs> <laughs> And again, Tootie's immaturity comes through right away. And she's like, we're all small, we're all small pirates, you guys. Oh oh, 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 oh my God. Why are we going right there? (laughs) Jesus Christ, Tootie. Yeah. Settle down. Yeah. But it's very important (laughs) that they keep up with this peak skill pirate merchandise Mm -hmm. uh, because it is a uh, high school class reunion weekend for Peekskill right. High School. Exactly. All their pirate stuff is selling like hotcakes. Yeah. Now we've never <laughs> spoken of or heard of Peekskill High School, meaning the public <laughs> school. You know, we've been stuck in our private, mm-hmm. you know, Eastland gir- school, Eastland school for girls vibe. So right. this is interesting. At first I was like, pirates, have we ever done with that? But no, we've never talked about this. So, okay, the Peekskill Pirates. Um, 
so yeah, it's high school, high school reunion weekend. Joe is sitting on the back counter with her feet up on the candy counter. Matthew has a severely negative reaction to whenever the girls sit on the counter. Well, it's nothing compared to the fact that Andy comes running in and immediately jumps up on the fucking counter. And I've, I've, I noticed this a lot in TV shows, like just to get in my head, like size differences and everything like, and it's always bothered me. Another sitcom trope that I hate how close people stand Mm -hmm. to each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tootie was on top of Andy. Like, she could not have gotten closer. It would have been considered an R-rated show if <laughs> you were any closer. Like, I, I get it. Like, I, I get it. It's like with all three Golden Girls sitting on the same couch. You know what I mean? It's like that would never happen in right. real life. And ugh, back off, Judy. Don't you have pirates to worry about? <laughs> <laughs> Blair's over here thinking for some reason that vintage gym shorts from the right. from the high school are going to sell like hotcakes for Christ's sake. Because yeah. you know Very what I excited. think? They had those in stock. Yeah. If I want one thing from my high school, it's a pair of the fucking gym short uniforms we had to wear. For Ugh. Christ's sake, that's that's where my heart lies. That'll make my oh, this makes me feel nostalgic. I would buy those shorts if they were George Clooney's right. gym <laughs> shorts that he had worn and had been in a Ziploc bag since graduation day. Now we're talking, Blair. Sure. But just a regular old pair, like I'm going to run around in a pair of shorts that say peak skill high on them. Well, I probably would. But now, but to be for, for perfectly, you know, wacky reasons yeah. that would add to my personality and make me interesting. Like wearing facts <laughs> of life shirts, you know. Oh my goodness. But I do like the fact that so many times we have said, what is the game plan for this store? What is the business plan? What is their lane? What the fuck? And who is minding the store? Because so often they're all in the living room in the middle of the day. But actually, when you think of it, it's like, oh, the high school, the public high school is back uh, for a, a class reunion. Let's get stuff that pertains to them. What a way to bring it's like, some more. You know, in Florida, we have those like gator stores and like yeah. those weird like stores. It's like, oh, okay. I like, it's a stretch, but I get it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they put a nice <laughs> ad in the local paper or something or mm-hmm. got with the alumni committee where they could have said, oh, and, sh- t- you know, show your yearbook and you get a 10% discount or something. I mean, I think from a marketing standpoint, this is one of those where I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. I'm good. Good work, business ladies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they saw their market. They stat- they they purchased accordingly. They knew this reunion was coming up. So they got all of their stuff in on time. Like that, mm-hmm. that's good business. Good for them. But technically, aren't there high school reunions every year? <laughs> yes. I mean, yes, this just happens are. to be a special one for <laughs> George. Just, just one for George. But I mean, but there typically, was a class of <laughs> every year they would have a reunion. Too, right. They're coming next year. So <laughs> no, uh, no, I, I stand mean, by it. You 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 haul out the Halloween shit every October. Well, every mm, August now. Right. But you ha- you haul out the Christmas shit every. It's like I, I'm I stand by it. The pirates are those are evergreen. It's never not going to be the Peekskill Pirates. So, I mean, if this is something they allegedly well, do every year, 
until we have until we have to cancel the fact that we're not allowed that pirates is a derogatory term and actual pirates take offense and i don't say that lightly my high school was the redskins for god's sake oh yeah and it's hard hard to get those shorts now huh well it's hard to make people understand why that's not okay right right (laughs) In Fort Wayne, it's difficult to make people understand mm-hmm. why maybe doesn't bother me. Of course it doesn't. Right, right. <laughs> of course it doesn't, white person. <laughs> well, let me move along through this episode where Andy does come barreling in. He has George's high school yearbook. He shows it to the girls and they laugh at George's picture. Uh, I have George Clooney's actual high school graduation picture. It ain't nothing to laugh at. Good. I, lo- I looked it up too. I looked it up too. Because I was like, it can't be bad. I mean, he's an 18-year-old George Clooney. Sweet Jesus. I, I needed my vapors when I checked that shit out. Oh my God. I, oof. Oh, I'd let him get me pregnant, leave me, and ruin my credit. Oh. So um But what the thing that the girls are all taken with in this yearbook as they go through is all of the signatures. Uh, The term I believe they use is pages filled with smoldering lust. You've ruined me for other guys, calling him animal man, Uh, lipstick where girls have kissed it. So uh, Sarah, you have to understand that up to this point, George constantly has struck out on the show whenever we've seen him Okay. approach a girl or try to get a date or drum up a conversation because you know George, poor poor unattractive no game no charm so ugly yeah 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 my yeah. feelings are purely out of mercy for right. him like sure. you know you feel bad yeah. yeah yeah exactly but uh matthew go ahead and and say it say you're you're saying that you love to say about yeah this show well, would have I, us believe i'd let him fart on my tongue no what? no what <laughs> saying <laughs> What? That, oh. th- this show would have us believe they, that George Clooney. I'd eat a mile of his shit just to look at the butthole <laughs> it came out of. Mm-hmm. What? 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 Which one? Which which one of my quotes <laughs> do you, are you looking for? <laughs> I'd roll naked across gold, a broken glass and then take a swimming pool full of uh, isopropyl alcohol. Which one? I've got a. I've got a hundred. I toss that salad. Stop. Toss that salad till I hit a crouton. Which one do you want? The one about getting his dick sucked in peace. Well, that one's not nearly as funny now, is it? I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, we're led to believe by Russell and et al., the Mm -hmm. writers of Facts of Life, (laughs) that that George Clooney can't get his dick sucked in fucking peak skill, Sarah, for Christ's sake. It's true. Yeah. Now, as a straight woman, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. I I, I should not have assumed. It's okay, but you're exactly Um, right. Yep. On a scale of one to 10, okay. 25 year old George Clooney mm-hmm. to picture it. I mean, I don't know if maybe like now you're like, oh, he's a baby to me. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you look 25. So I'm assuming you're like, so he's, 20, he's a contemporary. Yeah. Thank you. Matthew. Yeah. That helps. <laughs> 25 year old George Clooney. What does that do to the straight female? Does it do the same thing that it does to the gay male? <laughs> does it does now i will say russell does some work like one of the things that's unattractive about george in this episode is his just severe insecurity 
Like the, it, it's really baffling because he really needn't do a thing and women would fall all over him, which I think George Clooney knows. But George in the episode of Facts of Life is made to present as this insecure nightmare. It doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And Got why it. he would be insecure if he was shown this much attention and was this successful. Right, like he's got this plethora of history of like how all the girls in high school, like it just doesn't make any sense. You yeah. ruined me for other women. It right. was my lipstick is still school. moist in your yearbook. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's it is a, a little uh, dis, discombobulated. There, there are some, there are some disparate things here that do not logistically gel. Yeah, let's say. Yeah, I, it makes sense that Russell may not have been given another episode for some time. Like, they may have had to to work up their character yeah. development and learn some lessons. I don't know. <laughs> and this is really the first George episode we've had. He hasn't been on the show Interesting. Okay. until this season, but this is the first, I mean, he's been involved in some of the plots, but this is right. really, like you a know, George focused show. Right. The, yeah. the, the TV guy description, the, mm-hmm. the, the protagonist of this episode is George. And That's that right. has not really happened before. So, uh, We've got this uh, thing with all of these girls in the yearbook. So they're like, you must be excited about the class reunion. And he says, no, he's not going because he doesn't have a date. And they're like, so go and, you know, you don't need a friggin' date to go there. And he says, no, he has to face this girl named Belinda Michaels. She was too good for him. She was Miss Perfect. He couldn't even get a date with her. He was crazy about her and he can't face her. If he goes to the reunion he would have to go with a blonde goddess on his arm yes at which point blair is like oh come on now don't go dragging me into this god i love blair so <laughs> I fucking love her much, so much. Uh. <laughs> i i'm going to i'm going to go on record saying i do have a note here that this is not a good hair episode for lisa welchel but i do have to uh retract and redact that because uh, once she appears in the second act dressed formally, you realize, oh, this is actually an updo that mm-hmm. they let down. They had to like retrofit this updo, the updo from the other seat from the other way. The other once takes, it goes, yeah. yeah, once it goes back up, it's like, oh, stunning. Yeah, she looks God, great with her hair up. Damn. Now I have a problem real quick and I don't know why it bothered me. I don't know why it stuck out to me, but I've noticed it a few times now and I can't give you another example of just lines that don't belong in the show that in, you know, with a show like this, you got 23 minutes editing is key and you're trying to edit it down and get the most important things out. So they go, aren't you excited about going to your class reunion? And he goes, eh, not really. Natalie feels the need to go seeing old pals talking over old times. Thank you for telling us what a fucking high school reunion is. Right. Natalie, <laughs> like that was the line they thought to give her. Like it, it's it would never happen in real life. If David was like, hey, Sarah, I'm going to the. To, to my high school reunion. Oh, you know, Sarah, so he can talk over old times and, and see old pals. You know why people go to high school reunions, which again, I would rather eat a live cat than ever step foot in a high school yes. reunion. So this whole episode is wasted on me completely right, because right. I had nobody in high school is that important to me. Mm-hmm. And high school was not that important to me. And I feel bad for people who 
still hold on to their high school years as the best years of their life. Agreed. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. Yep. They're all on the same page there. Yes. <laughs> I got invited to my high school reunion, um, like the five year. Mm-hmm. And my mother, thanks a lot, gave them my forwarding address here in no. Florida. <laughs> so I got knowing full well what I went through in high school that I would have no interest. So I wrote on the little card, Matthew Arter is deceased and sent it back. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, anyway, because he has this very specific way that he believes is the only way he could impress this girl, uh, he does ask Blair if she would do it. And Blair says, Lisa Welchel delivers it perfectly. George, basically what I'm hearing is you want revenge. It's shallow, vindictive, and immature. Let's go for it. (laughs) And she also has a new formal gown that she's been wanting to wear. Okay, there's where the Blair comes in there. So the next scene is uh, the living room. Blair descends the stairs in this black formal dress. God damn, she is stunning. She looks amazing. Stunning. It is a, is it a three-quarter sleeve or is it a long sleeve? God, I wasn't even paying attention I, you know, to that. Honest, I, all I remember is her waist. I don't yep. know. I can't remember what this the sleeves look like because her waist was just, like, it was a all eyes went there. Very yeah. deep V-neck and then her waist was accentuated and then it was a, you know, flare out. It was a very 1950s 50s, Christian yeah. Dior. Mm-hmm. It looked amazing. Yeah, it had that silhouette that Lucy always had where accentuate the shoulders, tighten in the waist and flare out and create that hourglass. But, um, but what made it look modern and not like a period dress is that it was all black with the black hose and the black pumps. And I... If a woman walked in to a party with that dress tomorrow, I would fall over mm. in terms I'd of- ask, I'd ask why she's wearing black hose, but that's mm. just me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. Anyway, so she is ready to go. She's, it is the night of the reunion mm-hmm. and um, got, got the updo and the updo looks fantastic. And- uh, uh, she does say in passing when commenting on the dress, well, I had this one and this black and, black silver, and silver one, mm-hmm. you know, both of them are devastating, but this one is more expensive. And so ding dong at the door, answer it. And it's this nerdy dude named Jonathan. It's Marty Feldman. No. <laughs> Blair has a date with Marty Feldman, for Christ's sake. <laughs> it, it does look like him. It does look like his, his kid or his grandson, maybe. Yeah, he is a super nerdy, nerdy, and I mean, forgive me, not of the attractiveness level that we have usually seen Blair dating for how vain and shallow Blair is. This boy doesn't really fit that bill. You wonder, is it does his family have money or whatever, but... Uh, turns out this kid, Jonathan, she had already promised that she was going to go to the governor's ball with him that night. And the reason why she forgot is because he asked her so long ago, specifically because he knew if he asked her far enough ahead, there was no way she could say no. She'd be busy. Yeah. Can I ask, because I feel like they, 
so is this the first time we as an audience are meeting Jonathan? Because I sort of felt like they were insinuating that she had been coerced into dating him before, but maybe I'm just remembering that he had asked her a bunch of times, but she had never actually gone out with him. Yes, this is the only appearance of this character. You're kidding me. What an investment for somebody we're never going to see again. Uh, they do this all the time with the boys and the boyfriends. But also what, what was weird is that when Joe answers the door, she's like, oh, hey, Jonathan. Right. Like he's been around. <laughs> yeah, that's so that's I thought, weird. Like, oh, As opposed okay. to yeah. a friendly hi, like, oh, I think right. I've seen you before. Granted, I'm sure Joe keeps very close tabs on, on who's interested who in goes player. out with her girlfriend. Sure. But he's kind of got like a Steve Urkel. Like I got, I, I got a guest star vibe from Jonathan is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like well, a recurring guest star. Yeah. Well, Jonathan is uh, quite an interesting character. Uh, I should say the actor who plays him. The actor is Grant Heslov, H-E-S-L-O-V. Uh, he has <laughs> quite uh, the actor's resume, 70 credits in a 37-year career, a lot of one-offs. I mean, just as an actor alone, he has a very solid uh, guest starring career. But then starting in the 2000s, he got into producing. Oh including movies like Intolerable Cruelty, Good Night and Good Luck, Leatherheads, The Men Who Stare at Goats, Wait The American. these are all George Clooney movies. Ding, 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 ding. I was just going to say, what do these all have in common? Yeah. They are all Clooney, either acting, producing, writing, directing, or some combination thereof. There's no way that's a coincidence. It is not. They met in acting class. They just hit it off. They became buddies. Now, Clooney, of course, had started up his own production company with Steven Soderbergh early on in his film career. That was in 2000. And they, over the next six years, made like the Ocean's 11, 12, 13 sure. movies and a lot Steven of other Soderberg stuff. Steven Soderbergh is the Belinda of this episode. I mean, in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. But um, here's the thing from IMDb. On the DVD commentary for Good Night and Good Luck, George Clooney says that shortly after he met Grant Heslov in 1982, so three years before this episode, mm -hmm. Heslov loaned Clooney $200 to buy his first set of headshots, and they've been friends ever since, and later writing and producing partners. That's nice. So together when after- a handsome man asks you for $200, just give it to him. Damn right. You get a yeah. whole career out of it. Maybe. And the list of all these some, movies. Some outtakes from a headshots. You can't <laughs> lose is what I'm saying. Yeah, you can't, you can't. <laughs> right. uh, but when you look at the movies that they have produced together, it's like, they must be filthy, stinking fucking rich. Yeah, yeah. With what producers make. And uh, Clooney- shut down uh, Section 8 Productions with Soderbergh in 2006. I don't think it was any drama. I think it was just a, an amicable parting of ways. Yeah. yeah. But then that was when Clooney officially teamed up and went into business and established Smokehouse Pictures that same year. Smokehouse Pictures is George Clooney and this guy, Grant Heslov. And as a result of their collaborations, of course, we know Clooney has been nominated and won Oscars. Mr. Hesloff has been nominated for four Oscars and won one because he was one of the producers of Argo, which won Best Picture. So Academy Award winner Grant Heslov is here playing nerdy, dorky, pathetic Jonathan. Dang. 
on this episode. Well, he's in good hands with Academy Award winner Paul Haggis as the story editor. Oh, so. Jesus Christ. I just can't believe you're going to skip over the unicorn fact that um, somebody with the last name Heslov is a producer in Hollywood. That is that is strange to find to yeah. find a successful Jew in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> Someday the world will wake up and they'll be universally accepted. But I think he probably blazed a few trails, you know, at the beginning of the mm-hmm. millennium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. as a half Jew, I'm only half offended by my own joke. <laughs> <laughs> where, where is where does the half Jew come from in your your tree? Matthew? My mother's side. Oh, your mother is. But you weren't raised with the Jewish faith. No, neither was my mother. It's just the, oh. the, the family name and the family history. What, what was her family name? Jewish. I don't want to talk about it, David. <laughs> is it up, David? Is You're it, digging a little too deep, David. Okay, wow. Are, are you related to Grand Heslov? Are all you people related to each other? Or <laughs> yes. how do you think I got that Emmy? That's it. <laughs> you see that? You see his Emmy behind him? I do. I do. Uh-huh. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Matthew is a proud recipient of the yeah. Emmy Award. Yeah. Had to sign for it and everything when they <laughs> delivered that. <laughs> so Jonathan, this, I mean, talk about, I fell down a rabbit hole over Oof. Mr. Heslov. Holy shit. But sure. back I mean... to the, the comparatively simple function of him in this show is that because he had already pre-made this date with Blair, Blair feels like she cannot say no to him because when she last told him she wouldn't go out with him. He tied himself to her car or chained himself to the car. That's right. Yeah. Is that what she says? So mm-hmm. uh, it's I really mean, a cry for help that no one takes seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's an important <laughs> message for young women, where if you have a man who threatens to harm himself, you should date him and do whatever he wants you to it do. It worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got a ring on her finger to Look prove it, ladies and gentlemen. Me, I'm thriving. <laughs> Nate, get your head out of the oven. It's electric. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I love you so fucking much, Sarah French. God. I love you too. <laughs> so uh, with uh, this discovery, Blair walks into the room, sees Jonathan and instantly knows what's Remembers happening. That, yeah. And she, she ducks into the closet, at which <laughs> yes. point we get perfectly delivered from in the closet. Joe, can I see you a moment? <laughs> Just casually, Lala. So Joe walks over and is talking to the door and says, what? Blair opens the door, reaches out, grabs Joe by the hand and pulls Joe into the closet with her. Just beats on beats on beats. Yep. Matthew, so do you good. want to make, do you want to make the noise, please? I think the metaphor speaks for itself. <laughs> We have a diesel horn sound effect that we discovered. So we just not go. <laughs> anytime we get the lesbian references. <laughs> anyway, Blair basically says, I can't not go to this thing with him. George is going to be fine. He'll get over it. And please, Joe, would you tell him for me? And Joe's like, no, they try to call him. He's not home. Right. They try to leave him a message and they decide against it. So then finally, um, off Blair goes, and then Joe is left knowing she has to give him the news. Mm-hmm. Well, what was the right move? It was a real no-win situation for Blair here. Because now, uh, 
Joe suddenly gets on her high diesel engine <laughs> and <laughs> and decides, oh, I'm going to let you know how how disappointed I am in you, Blair. Back yeah. off, Guido. All right. This is. <laughs> yeah, she did make the, the first thing, but to but to just uh, abandon the whole thing and to be. Forgive me, this may sound like a criticism of Lisa Welchel's performance. They should have given the guy cancer or something so that like Blair had a real reason to go out with him. Is that what you're going to say, David? Like they yeah. should have put him in a maybe they put him in a wheelchair or something. Yeah. And cancer. Is that what you want, David? Disabilities, right? <laughs> never not funny. Never not funny. But the no, what I was going to say is Blair is not as contrite and apologetic and concerned about George as I wish she were. Especially for what we know is going to happen, right? Like where her conscience does, like, you know, in thinking about the foreshadowing, it's really not, like her her struggle is not evident in that scene. Yeah. So, yeah, I I agree. It would, you know, Jonathan was the first commitment. He does technically get dibs. Though, again, she probably should take him to some sort of an inpatient suicide mental health institution. It's not a safe date. She should not go out with Jonathan. No. No. But uh, anyway. I uh, think she can take him, though. I think, I mean, I think it's pretty. I just wonder how much puss that guy got in the 80s because he was best friends with George Clooney. (laughs) So much like residual. So much residual. Like, puss. Mm -hmm. I would have sucked his dick just to get in the apartment just so I could have stolen a pair of George Clooney's underwears. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, oh, is this not the bathroom? I thought it was where this. Where jo- uh, this is where George Ple- the hamper is, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then we come to the next scene, still in the living room, and Tootie and Natalie are going through George's old yearbook, shopping for boyfriends, basically talking about, well, he's cute. He's going to be at that reunion tonight, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Yeah. And Tootie sitting around the house in her full pink onesie with her little pink hat on. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, Jackie Kennedy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you and but your then, little pink hat. Who, Susan? You ever sit? Uh, oh shit, Sarah. You ever just sit at home, full hat? Like you know, as soon as you get home, you're just like, oh, I'm gonna leave my shoes on. Yeah, I put on my home my- hat. That's yeah. That is yeah. I do. Okay. I, I in fact, I took it off for this podcast. I yeah. took it off. Not as formal. My, yeah. my uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure it wasn't just a guy thing that we, we get naked. A, no, no, as no, soon no, as we no, no, no. We, we, okay. have, uh, we have home hats as well. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I'm laughing because remember Charles Nelson Riley always called Brett Summers Susan? Like he'd call her to and say, Susan, you're coming down for drink. You know what? It's actually not unusual. Lots of people call me Susan. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, it really, don't you, please don't uh, be sorry. Matthew, I'm not even trying to, like, it no, really no. does happen quite frequently. Uh, it's surprising. No. Sarah is so not the person to have a problem with that, but it's just so. <laughs> But just, I don't know why Susan of all names. It just, it I don't know. It really does happen a lot, though. <laughs> okay, okay, we're gonna get through this, people. Okay, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna get through it now because we have to talk about George Clooney walking in in his double-breasted charcoal gray suit. Good fucking. He looks great. God, man, he is gorgeous. Oh man. 
Yeah. And the one woman in the audience that went, woo! Wow, it was multiples. It was multiple. No, no. The woo, the one woo in the audience was over Joe in that dress. That was a pity woo. Yeah, it was a little bit. But one thing I looked at and I was like, good God. And, you know, he's because he's 24. He's, of course, slender, as as weren't we all when we were 24. I was like, God, that suit, that one straight line of color. I'm like, he looks like he is six foot four. I'm like, how tall is Clooney? Is he six two? Is he six three? He's shorter than you and me. He's five foot eleven. It's just all the women on this show are tiny. And so he comparatively towers over them. And yeah, Clooney's only 5'11", but God, he is striking. I mean, I I cannot express the beauty and how good he looks in all the close-ups because we get, we we usually get George making a quip or a, I say a funny line, (laughs) and cutting away to somebody else laughing at his joke. We don't get long shots on his face where he actually, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Acts. (laughs) So- the the close-ups it's like good god the fucking camera loves him jesus yeah i i I, I, i'm speechless at how stunning he is and then uh when he is told by tootie and natalie that uh blair isn't here what do you mean blair's not here she had another thing you mean i don't have a date and then joe comes down the stairs dressed to the hilt in the black and silver sparkly dress that Blair had, mm-hmm. uh, equally as devastating as the black one Blair was yeah. wearing. I know. Is it just because Joe's in it? Like, would we have felt differently if Blair came down? I don't think so. I think the sequins would have made anybody go, ooh. Right, like, sparkles. I, I, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they're, they're going to garner a response no matter who was wearing it, but yeah. It's definitely yeah. more matronly that than drop, the, it's hard. A drop waist is hard for anybody. You can't. But you it know. was it was the lesbian go to formal wear in yeah. the 80s. Well, and then I she's can. also doing her Joe walk where she's like, I don't know. Am I pretty? I so she's not dick, doing any yeah. of your big favor, you know, any favors. Yeah. It's just yeah. if there was a time when a lesbian had to wear a dress in the 80s, like no ifs, ands or buts. It was a it was a drop waist dress, like no question about it. And with the high collar and the <coughs> power and, and the power Shoulders. shoulder pads mm-hmm. and all that, you know, those are they certainly didn't do much to feminize her. No. And uh, she did kind of spray and zhuzh up her, her mullet a bit. It mm-hmm. was looking good. Had mm-hmm. some nice bling, had some nice jewelry. The earrings did, certainly, yeah. certainly did help her look My less. mom had a, had a similar jewel set <laughs> to go to a birthday party. I remember it very distinctly. Oh, wow. Was your mom a lesbian in drag? She was. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so Joe Joe does look really, really great. She's for a beautiful Joe. girl. She is. She's a true. beautiful girl. I noticed it a couple times in this episode when she was smiling. I was just like, she's just beautiful. She's just she a is. beautiful girl. She really, really no, is. Yeah, she, yes. The jokes don't work of like when they finally get, you know, when they get there, like, oh, uh, like, like, yeah. like she's he, any of those girls he would have been lucky to take as his date to his reunion. Totally. Yes. And uh, so Joe basically says, I got ready. I'll go with you. And she even says, if you don't want to, 
what? It's fine. Even oh, even sad. Joe Joe gives him an out, and yeah. he smartly George. The reaction is no. I'd I'd like to take you. There is no sussing out. There is no hmm. Let me think about this. Right, you're not blonde. Yeah. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A, a lesser sitcom than the Facts of Life would have. Do you got any peroxide and a couple of toothbrushes? <laughs> exactly. Can we wake you up real quick? Yeah. <laughs> So it all seems good and fine and great that he's going to take Joe. And then he hands her note cards with all of the ridiculous lies that he is demanding that she know and play along with about how they met in Switzerland and the number of languages she speaks. And uh, is I, this I, a real thing? Is no, this a real thing? No. Another sitcom trope where people create these ridiculous stories about themselves and i mean i guess back then it wasn't as easy to like like google <laughs> go, yeah google or go on facebook and be like oh this person lives in a shack down by the river right you know and but i guess back then maybe but like it, it just <sighs> again the rest of the episode is full of sitcom lying and you know how i feel about that so mm-hmm. we met in switzerland yeah that's it i'm a Ugh. i'm a duchess and an ambassador and a doctor yeah. Yeah. yeah and a figure skater yeah oh and you're a doctor as well i guess i am shut <laughs> up yeah. but well, romeo and michelle right like they they have their yeah. reinvented post-it notes like it's not like it does happen or like that trope exists yeah yeah you know, I've you never could been all... to a high school reunion, so right. I don't know. Me neither. Yeah, what I was going to say is, you know, you don't have to go to the high school reunion if you think you're a failure. You right. don't have to go and lie if you think, oh, you know, I'm, I, I certainly would. I would love to sh- show up to there. Kind of rub it in Belinda's face, right? Like he believes that Belinda ha- is married and has this fantastic life. And he's really going to kind of show her what she missed. Yeah, like it's, it's just... There's yeah, vindictive (laughs) exactly, and to lie about this to make it exhausting, and uh, and it's weird. And again, we're at Peekskill High School. Where does everybody live? Not everybody leaves their hometown, right? Right. And and it's like he's talking about uh, well when they get to the reunion and the and the lying really begins. Uh, He's talking about well, uh, yeah, hardware. You know, it's a national chain, really. Burnett's Hardware, never heard of them. Uh, you ever been to Canada? No, they're big in Canada. Uh, and that is true, Sarah. He, his dad owns the hardware store. Burnett's so that's a hardware true story store. for George. I was, I found myself curious. I'm like, is he, does he actually own a successful chain of hardware stores? And that's a true thing, but that's no. not enough for this guy? Or like, what's his deal? Singular mom and pop hardware store across the yeah. street from, uh, from Edna's Edibles. Yeah. But they're um, also like it's their first reunion, right? Like they're twenty. He's how old is oh, George supposed to be in this episode? Oh, oh, oh! Is it? Oh God! I don't know. Oh God! What's is happening? It, is it Sarah? Is it their first reunion? I don't know. I, I think it's time we explore that. Shall Please, we? Oh this? Oh God! I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> no, you stay. Oh. <laughs> But the deal is, okay, my obsession over the ages of the characters. Okay. <laughs> George Clooney is 24. Right. So he was in high school. Presumably you graduate from high school when you're either 17 or 18. 18, right, yeah. Let's say 17. Sure. So that was seven years ago. 
Right. I don't recall an invitation for my seven year don't high you? school. Oh, no. Reunion. I was invited to that one. Yeah, that's that's just for the cool kids. They just do a seven year private reunion. Yeah, <laughs> that's the it crowd. The it crowd. Yeah, Yeah, they do it every <laughs> seven years. Just every yeah. seven years. Yeah. But as far as I know and recall, it was every five years. Right. It's and, five, and the first ten, one, it's in increments of five. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the first Typically. one, I'm not even sure the five happened, at least in Brockton, Massachusetts. I don't right. remember. It might be that they start at 10 and then they do 15, 20, and then they start ganging them. They'll start sure. doing a couple of classes and all that as, right. <laughs> as the as graduates die. die. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. Oh, my grandfather's oh, well. last. <laughs> my. My grandfather is the last of his, he's 97. He's the last of his um, high school class. They had a reunion like um, 10 years ago and it was like my mom took him and she was like, it was like 10 people. It's <laughs> 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 just, okay. they're a room full of 85 year olds. Like, <laughs> wow. Ooh, fun. Do you remember the old days? No, no, no. nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Remember hanging out below the bleaches of the football stadium with that colored gal? No, 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 <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Grandpa. <laughs> Can I say this? Are we at the reunion yet? Are we there yet? We're, 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 there, we're there, but yeah. we're talking about the age. Let me finish this thought oh, process. God, okay? sorry. I so, wasn't gone long enough. Okay. <laughs> so five versus 10 versus, okay. It is very uncommon for an adult actor to be playing older than their actual age right, that's very right. uncommon especially back then yeah yeah so it's like so if unless this you're is, a lady and then sorry <laughs> uh, yeah but if it's allegedly a 10 let's say give them the benefit of the doubt this is a 10-year reunion sure. and nowhere at the reunion does it say it just says peak skill high reunion if this is a 10-year reunion so are they trying to say that george is actually 27 eight or 27 yeah 27 right. or 28 if it's a five-year reunion eight and five is 13, seven and five is 12. Then that, that doesn't work. Then that has him being a couple years younger and that doesn't buy them anything either. Yeah. So that is weird. And then just when I'm about to throw my hands up and say, well, they don't know and they don't care. Uh, as George is showing up and uh, prodding Joe with all of the ridiculous lies she has to know, uh, this great big moose of a dude runs up and grabs him and picks him up. Warren Polanski is his is the character name, but they call him Crusher. And he says, they call me Crusher because I crush quarterbacks. I got three of them in 75. Ooh, okay. okay. What? Let's go. Let's even give more benefit of the doubt. He knows Clooney in 75. Let's try to get George as old as we can. Let's say George is a high school freshman in 75. Actually, 75 to 76. That means in 1980, he was 18 and graduating. It's now 85, eight and five. That makes him 23. It, it's Okay. In 1975, George Clooney was 14 years old. That's what my problem is. That's barely a freshman in high school. So nothing here is working or helping any of the other things to try and give us a sense of either A, how old George Burnett is, or B, what in the fucking fuck reunion is this? 
right. that we're at. Right. I have spoken. Mm-hmm. I got lost halfway through. It could be because I'm high, but I got lost <laughs> halfway through. When you started with 75, because, hey, David, you're taking into consideration that they knew each other. Maybe he, that's just that Crusher's year was 75. But what's so that, Crusher doing at the reunion then? But he, he could have, that could have been his eighth grade year. You know okay. what I mean? Okay, like that he's just always been, been a big guy and he's been and crushing quarterbacks crush, since, so <laughs> since his freshman year. And he brings up okay. his, his eighth grade year. So yes, Matthew, we are at the, we're at the reunion now. The pirate themed formal reunion. What, what do you want to say? What have you, what felt do you need to be fielded? I am very happy that they went to another location for the reunion because it is typical of these uh, TV shows for some reason to have high school reunions in places that are very familiar to the characters like Mm -hmm. Cheers, like the Golden Girls having their high school reunion in their living room. Here we are. We're meeting people. We're meeting Crusher. That's where you were, David. We're meeting Crusher. Who Um, looks like he's 65. Thank you. Matthew, who are his classmates? The men have just, I don't, was there radiation poisoning? What happened? (laughs) That is what it looks like if I were to go to a high school reunion in Fort Wayne. It's like, which one of these people is in show business? Oh, it's him. Um, (laughs) Because these people, but um, I looked it up. He's the same age as George Clooney. The actor mm-hmm. is, yeah. Y'all. And oh no! Like George Clooney, he is still working. He <gasps> has a hundred. He maybe he. Yeah, oh, I, no. I, I I I can I'm promise sorry, you, sir. I I apologize for hurting your feelings. But, but no, no, he's one of those because his hair is thinning and he's a he's a thick you know moose yeah. football player kind of dude. That's just his type, and he just uh, looks. That's yeah, he's just a it, moose. Yeah. It served him well. A hundred and seventeen credits in a thirty-seven year career, and counting. Are you fucking kidding me? Like in- I just want to call out. I have a full head of hair and I work very hard. (laughs) I have a lot of creams and potions and I, I play people's mothers more often. What is that? Anything. Go fuck yourself. Moose. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Are you kidding me? You're going to show up to this high school reunion. looking 75. If you're a day and pick up George Clooney and then you're going to have 113 credits and still be working? Uh-huh. Yes. But what are most of those credits, David? Is it guy at store? Is it, like, prosecutor? That's what my credits are, Matthew. That's me. <laughs> Nurse one. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of one-offs and some series. But the most notable series and one of the most recent credits is 13 episodes of The Good Wife in the role of Frank Landau. And reprising the same role in five episodes of The Good Fight, which is the sequel series to The Good Wife. Boom, he Fraser Crane that shit. God damn it. One character, two series. Booyah. Mike Pinewski is his name, by the way. <laughs> Mike Pinewski. Mike P- Pinewski. Got P- it. And P N I E W S K I. 
Yes. Was he asked to change his name? No, of course not. Nope. Get out there, Mike Pinuski. You're we can't live without you. Pick up that, George Clooney, would you? Yeah. That asshole here. Clooney gets his name up in lights. Well, where is Mike Pinuski up in lights? Exactly. <laughs> He's probably so then, in death of a salesman at the Pasadena Playhouse right. or something. Oh, exactly. And I would go see that. Mm-hmm. Damn it. It's probably I'm, amazing. Finally, Belinda shows up. The whole uh, reason that we're here, that we're putting on this ridiculous ruse. Elizabeth Kiefer is the actress. She has a solid career, 34 credits in a 27-year career. But How many credits does Mike Panewski have? 117. Go fuck yourself. However, <laughs> however, David, however, she doesn't have as many credits because she has like 300 episodes of Guiding Light. Bingo. So. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Liz was working. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Now, when I should differentiate, when when I say a credit, IMDb, IMDb counts the show. Right. So when, yeah. For Elizabeth Kiefer, The Young and the Restless is one credit, but mm-hmm. she was on multiples of that. She was on 17 episodes of Days of Our Lives, eight episodes of General Hospital, seven episodes of One Life to Live. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. All yeah. right. And as she should, because I thought she was excellent in this episode. She was magnificent and beautiful. You saw her and you're yeah, like, gorgeous. oh, yeah, that's the girl that a George Clooney might lose his shit over. Mm-hmm. Totally mm-hmm. love it. So he uh, he kisses Joe. He does a funny physical bit where he dips her, kisses her. And as he's kissing her, is <laughs> dragging her, her over, trying to get Belinda's attention, but Belinda's too busy signing in. So he ends up like, like ramming Joe into her like a battering ram or something. But then Belinda is in, she is in what I would call a baby blue Sweeney sisters dress. I loved it. <laughs> she is dressed like Jan Hooks from the Sweeney sisters. <laughs> yes. Without the diamond uh, embellishment in the thing. But yeah, it was like, I think there is more rouging than actual mm-hmm. fabric. Oh, I really loved it. I loved her hair. I loved the giant swoop up to like it was all oh. one. Oh. Oh. If you were a woman in 1985, that is what you wanted to look like. Mm-hmm. Period. That's what I want to look like now. I want to look like <laughs> I want to look like Belinda now. For some reason, when she turned around, I kind of my breath kind of went away a little bit. And I was like, oh, God, she's just stunning. And I hope that she knew that back then. I hope I that she too, yeah. Knew how beautiful she was. I don't know why that her eyes were so big and there was so much pain in her eyes. I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe because yes. she's a soap actress. Like, but but it were like what we re- what we learn about Belinda, right? Like it just like she, yeah. she acted the hell out of that part. She was she great. Did because George had said that. It was his understanding she had married into some corporate money. Again, how long have they been out of high school that she married into corporate money? But not going to go there again, Matthew. Sorry. Uh, but please, yeah, so, please. So, it, David. so his thing is uh, she shows up and the intent is for him to show her that he made good also. Well, turns out that when he goes off to sing some fight songs like you do at a reunion. Mm -hmm. So Joe was like, I'm going to sit this one out. Joe goes over to the bar and strikes up a conversation with Belinda. And even though they've given Belinda this preposterous laundry list of accomplishments 
and and pedigrees of Joe's. And uh, with that, Belinda does say, I'm really happy for you. You know, I had the biggest crush on George in high school. And she's like, wait, what, what? And she's like, well, you know, I'm sure you're happy with your husband. And she says, uh, he's going to be my ex-husband. I said he was out of town. He ain't coming back. And I married him because he looked like George, but he doesn't have George's spirit. <laughs> I want to cry so bad for the pain she's in. Uh, but this is when Joe had every opportunity to turn to her and be like, um, yeah. you know, he works part time at his dad's <laughs> hardware store, right? Like, I mean, that spirit is one thing, but girl, unless you want to yeah. come hang out with us every day of your life at, at <laughs> over our heads, that's what you got to look forward to in a relationship with this douche canoe. <laughs> You know, I had not considered like they do so much work, right? Like so many, so <laughs> just so many webs. But like eventually, Belinda's gonna find out. Of course, and like I said, like, she probably lives in the fucking town. She probably lives on the other side of town. Yes. Like well, so to quickly go through the laundry list of all the lies that okay. they spew during this, um, they apparently met in 1980 in Ecuador. In 1982, Joe, uh, I'm sorry, not Joe, Whitney Worthington gives a different fucking name. It is. I mean, to his credit, it's a very blonde name. He did it is. blonde for that. Yeah, yeah. He, that was the casting call. He's yeah. right. Um, yeah, she was in Britain acting as the president's special emissary for cultural affairs. That's right. before she won the America's Cup. She is the granddaughter of the Archduke and Duchess of Worthington. Uh she does jokingly say to George, oh, well, you know, what next? They're going to ask wh when I won the Nobel Prize. And he says, which one, literature or physics? She is a musician. She doesn't play with the Philharmonic. She doesn't conduct the Philharmonic. She owns the Philharmonic. That's right. That's right. And then at one point, uh, there is a funny Joe line where the cards that he handed her earlier, she was trying to play with them. And then at one point, she's like, what the was that shit with the philharmonic i'm paraphrasing sure <laughs> and he's like i had to think on my feet and basically she says no improvising that's not what was on the cards from now on i am just playing duchess whitney worthington olympic medalist and psychic no more no less <laughs> beautifully delivered uh they met on safari in timbuktu he got sick she cured him uh therefore meaning she is a doctor and their wedding is planned with 3,500 of their closest friends on the QE2 for a quick jaunt to Guadalajara. Just want to say those are all the, and yeah, someone told me that at a high school union, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Totally yeah. believable. I'm in. Sure. I buy it. A lot of sense. Yeah. Yep. So then just at the moment where Joe tells George, she likes you and she's not attached to her husband anymore. And Joe's like, are you freaking kidding me? So they finally have a moment where they connect and he starts to try to tell her the truth and they're dancing and in comes Blair. I mean, perfect. If it's going to blow up, it should blow up big. For, from the laws of comedy, this did need to happen. Don't you agree? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Blair 
quickly runs in and full on because she's got such a guilty conscience. She comes running in. Oh, hello, sweetie. Pulls him away from the girl, kisses him and says, hi, I'm Blair Warner, George's fiance. And Belinda's, of course, like, really? Are you now? So. Um, and for Belinda, this is par for the course. This is exactly what it was like in high school. Yeah, yep. because she didn't date him, she says, because he was already trying to get into the pants of three of her best exactly. friends. Exactly. Yeah, it's not that she was stuck up or thought she was too good for him. It's No, he was a fucking man whore. Hey, she was discerning. Uh, Blair, uh, Blair does also add, I'm an Olympic gold medalist, and I'm sure George already told you we're going to be married on the people's court by Judge Wapner. <laughs> I, that, I... Yeah, yep, I, you, I actually do wish that would happen. I wish that was a very special episode. Like, oh I, do, my God. I would I would like to see George Wagner <laughs> officiate their wedding or anybody's wedding, honestly. I mean, it, but if you want to drop a pin in the yes. timeline of American <laughs> right. pop culture, that exactly. is 1985. Bill Donahue's going to walk me down the aisle and George Wagner is going to marry us. Nice. <laughs> yes. But the People's Court, man, that was the shit in uh, 1985. Oh, my God. Got Sally Jesse Raphael over here. <laughs> she's she's my maid of honor. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so with Blair coming in and now making George look even worse for being such a lying piece of shit, uh, he quickly says, let's go off and talk. And so he tries to plead his case and say, let's get away. So now we have Blair and Joe together and Blair, where, where'd you get that dress? So I took it out of your closet, you know, bada boom, bada bing. At which point they turn around and who are at the reunion wearing name tags that do not belong to them. Right. And they didn't even bother to dress up. Natalie what a and Tootie. Opportunity. They could have worn one of Blair's dresses too. Or like, come on, lady. Like, why why don't we all get to wear cute evening gowns if we're all gonna show up to this reunion? Yeah. Tootie is 16, by the way. She's a senior in high school, pretending to be a, a graduate at a high school reunion. Natalie is 18. Uh just recently graduated, but uh, it is very funny where it's like, what are you doing here? Natalie, Tootie, and they say, it's not Natalie and Tootie. And Natalie says, I'm Marsha Bagelman. <laughs> and Tootie is Lorraine Gibbons. And I'm like, well, they picked the right names for the right people. <laughs> I, I, I feel like there's there's gotta be a Second City or a Groundlings character, Marsha Bagelman. Marsha Bagelman? Yeah, I hope so. I that's, hope so. That's an Andrea Martin special right there. Really. I feel like it's now now would be considered a racially insensitive name. <laughs> like I don't I don't think I don't think anybody could get away with calling a Jewish character Marsha Bagelman. Marsha Bagelman. <laughs> <laughs> that is that you're right it's the very 1970s like it's a <laughs> uh, so yes Tootie and Natalie have decided they're not just shopping for guys in in the yearbook they're they're no, there they're to gonna, crash the party they're gonna make it happen exactly they're young they look great the minute their high school reunion are vulnerable <laughs> they want to relive it. like what is it like they they get younger or they stay this I get older they stay the same age like it's, it's perfect <laughs> <laughs> they can McConaughey that shit. Yes. It's like Tootie is like, yeah, I've been out of high school for 10 years. And they'd be like, wow, you look wow, terrific. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, with this, with the whole, well, we have to get the other girls into the 
back in the episode. We really yeah, just need them all. It, they were shoehorned in though. I really just feel like there were some missed opportunities. Like it would have been funny to see old Moose walking to the end, you know, on his arm and then, then being like, no, Moose, get yeah. out of here. You know, like there were some, what's, what's our author's name again? What's our writer's name? Rassel. Uh, Rassel. Come on, Rassel. I was thinking, it's funny you say that. I was thinking it would have been hilarious to have them line up to check in. And instead of that god-awful pirate character, um, they could have had Natalie and Tootie back there. Natalie, Tootie, what are you doing? I'm sorry. I'm Marsha Bagelman. Bagelman. This is Lorraine Newman. (laughs) And you are. And like, George, it's so good to see you again. You've changed so much. Here's your here's your name tag. Yeah. I would have liked to see them play that part. Yeah, and then, I agree. There was there were better ways to incorporate them. Yeah, Crusher yes. could have been the one to take um, George Clooney off singing fight songs. Then yes, yeah. But we I'm just you know, yeah. I'm just here for budgetary reasons. How many actors do we really need? We're putting that in our notes that we're sending back in the time machine, kids. That is a great suggestion. Yeah. yeah. So then Belinda and George return. Everything is good. Belinda, I'm so flattered. You all went to so much trouble over me. It makes sense why Belinda married the other asshole. It's like, Belinda, ask for more. Yeah. Ask for more. What are you, what are yeah. you talking about? You're so flattered. They lied to you. You've been part of a like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Belinda. Wow. Yeah. She's coming out better. of a she's coming out of a she's divorce. Vulnerable. Her pickers broken. Yeah, she's a mess. Yeah. Her self-esteem vulnerable. is shot That's because great. her self-esteem is shot because she's not superficial at all, marrying a guy because he looked like right. George Clooney. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. What could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about your questionable morals, Belinda. <laughs> oh, Belinda. Whatever. That was the perfect plan. I don't see how there was any way it could have gone south. Marrying a random dude that looks like a guy that I never dated in high school. Right. Looks right. like George Clooney and has money. Didn't she say he was a corporate exec or something like that? She so- didn't, but other people have said that. He right? did like, yeah. earlier. Yeah, that was that was so, one of the reasons why he needed to impress her was that she had, you know, made good by marrying into money. Yeah. Yeah. So he's rich and looks like George Clooney. I'll make it work. I'll yeah. try. I'll try. <laughs> yeah. So as Belinda and George now uh, properly coupled, what has been set wrong is now set right as they walk out the door. Who is standing there disheveled? distraught despondent who is standing there old haggis or what's his name again sorry jonathan no i know jonathan what's the actor's name what sharon you should really know his name by now (laughs) you're right you're right (laughs) grant heslov 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 yes yes it is jonathan Jonathan, and he doesn't even and, I mean and on a racer's edge is he gonna murder everyone or what yeah yeah he is not a well man no no because well, Blair Blair locked him in the trunk for some reason also that's true. right yeah, that's there's right. a lot of people who have made mistakes in this episode that's right when they were like well Blair you're here what happened to Jonathan she's like he'll be fine he'll understand and I locked him in the trunk yep <laughs> It was so, a lot for that punchline. Like it yeah, was a lot yeah. for like, why did she lock him in the trunk? Wow. She couldn't have just walked in and been like, I, l- I left him at 
at the party. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, he'll never notice. You know, right, I, I, right, exactly. He was talking to an ambassador and I screwed yeah, it out. Easy. Yeah. I told him I'm having my period. And like most men, he freaked out and ran the other direction. Right, exactly. And yeah, it's all so woman has to do. Uh, heavy flow. Got to go. That's that's what I understood the, the creed to be of the heterosexuals in high school, which I claimed to be at the time. Uh, I think that was the first clue that you weren't, David, because <laughs> straight men are like, I don't care if you don't. I mean, right. it's <laughs> I mean, you're talking about straight men and vagina. They they have very little standards when it comes to that. No, no, no offense, um, Cecil. No Um, no worries. (laughs) But similarly to how she ducked into the closet when Jonathan is first there, when Jonathan first appears, of course, the cutaway is to Blair. He's out. It's like we may not be safe. Blair ducks under the table, freeze frame, roll credits, hilarity. Wow. It wasn't, it wasn't the strongest work I've seen exhibited <laughs> from our catalog yeah. of the facts of life. Yeah, it was all the, the lying and that whole, that whole thing of, I have to pretend to be someone I'm not to impress somebody. Why? Well, and also, like, I guess it maybe would have made sense if George had been like kind of a loser in high school. And now he's now he came into his hotness and he's like, he's got to go back and kind of prove it like maybe. But like, it's yeah. like he was objectively really successful in high school. Like he was beloved. And so you are right. You are right. This score? this needed to be an ugly duckling situation yeah. where she is a girl that rejected him and treated him cruelly, even right. though he loved her so much. And in high school, he was heavy set, glasses, braces. Mm-hmm. And now literally he has a date lined up, not, not someone to impress. He has a date lined up and she can't make it. And then it's right. and then girls, one of the please, girls. Yeah. one of you, would you do it? Blair, yes, right. I'll do it. Fuck Blair can't do it, Joe can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would all lend itself better to the need to lie. And then, you know, this is more modern dialogue, but for them to say, George, you're not that fat kid with the glasses and the braces anymore. Look who you become. So that, that could have been a lovely teaching moment about lying, about being who you are and all that. But Nope, this was just a wacky 80s sitcom and right. hilarity and sue. Full of misogyny and unrealistic expectations. Do not forget the anti-Semitism. Oh, so anti-Semitism. Yeah, you're right. I also have a question for Belinda. Like, he didn't have George's spirit. Then what spirit did he have that you were attracted you, to? Right. Because you kept turning him down because he was fucking everybody. Right. So what spirit are you looking for? I, I don't understand, like, why. Oh, I was always secretly attracted to him. So was every other woman in high right, school. Exactly. It was no secret, friend. You could have gotten in line. Yeah. yeah. And so I don't I didn't understand. Like, like you said, David, that's a brilliant. It should have been an ugly duckling thing. Like he could have come in and said, oh, you found my yearbook. Yeah. That was before I lost the 300 pounds. You know what I mean? <laughs> and Jesus. Oh, I'm the only person with two pictures side by side. So I fit into that. You know what I mean? <laughs> And I say that from my own experience in high school. <laughs> Fuck you very much. Oh, no. But oh god. 
Oh, all right, kids. So any other final thoughts before we wrap it up? I would, I feel like our star performers in this episode were Liz as Belinda. I I feel like she gave a grounded performance. She was incredibly Mm -hmm. likable. You're exactly right. The minute she turned around, the pain was in her eyes. It carried through. It made a lot of sense. She was really acting her heart out in this episode. She gave it her all. I'd also like to offer that I felt like Mackenzie Aston's, uh, like him going through the the yearbook, I felt like he also was in the scene and wasn't hamming it up. I, he's, he's runner up for me. Do you see us nodding? I've got a, a I'm spraining my neck. I'm nodding so hard. <laughs> Matthew is applauding. We constantly extol the excellence so Mackenzie Sarah, this has been so much fun. God, I Thank miss you so much. We gotta I, hang soon. This was a treat. Thank y'all for having me. I cannot wait till we get to do this again. I hope we get to do this again before the series ends because yes, you are please. such a magnificently entertaining guest. And uh, until that time, I love you. I miss you. Smooches you and goodbye. <laughs> Sandra, it was lovely it to was have this time with you. Treat, I love Michael. Thank you, you are, so much. You are a delight. <laughs> and there you have it. That was Sarah French. Next week, we're going to be watching Season 7, Episode 18, called Concentration. You can watch the show for free at dailymotion.com or on Pluto TV. I will post links in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. That's all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.